CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. All right, hello and welcome everybody to a special edition of Options Action tonight. It really is a full house. I'm Brian Sullivan. We're joined by Carter Worth, Mike Coe's out west, Bono and Eisen, and Tony Zhang. Another week, another whole new world in the markets. We are now seeing things that were almost really unfathomable just a couple of days ago. What could possibly be next tonight? We are following an old adage. Just know where you're going, where you've been. We're also employing a couple of other sayings, like to err is human, and then to quote the great Kenny Rogers, got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Case in point, consider last week's trade on the TLT. What we've seen is that this stock, uh, TLT has moved about 40% from the December 2018 lows. And this has happened consistently a couple of times over the last decade. Every time that's happened, we've seen either a consolidation or a pullback after that 40% move. And if we zoom in a little, looking at a one-year chart, this TLT is up about 15% year to date. And it's, and it's currently reading fairly overbought if you look at momentum indicators such as RSI. Well, so now due to seismic shifts and, well, everything, that trade has obviously not gone our way, which is why we always preach appropriate position sizing, as it is known. But more on that in a bit. First off, we're going to do something a little bit different with everybody. We want to talk about the lessons maybe we've learned this week and what we're seeing. Carter, what, what act, a little more macro than usual, I think, given the week, it's very appropriate. Sure. If you think about, actually, we did two things that were very specific and yet the identical last week. We were saying that TLT... Had, after a great run, had gone too far. So what we're trying to do is buck the trend, go against momentum. We also said that cruise ships, and we picked one, were going straight down, had gone down too far. We were going to buck the trend and make the call they were going to go up. Guess what? Both are a disaster. Right? Cruise ships got a lot worse, and TLT got a lot better. Each had one of their biggest weeks uh, against us in, in years. But the point is that sometimes it's very important to be contrarian, and sometimes you get your head handed to you, and that's what happened to us. And more importantly, we're using these trades. We're utilizing options to limit our risk. And that's the most important part is because we get trades wrong, we get trades right. It's important that on the trades that you get wrong that you're not blowing out your entire account. We risked $2.80 per share on this particular trade, which is 1.8% of the underlying ETF. Even if TLT went to 1,000, I'm only risking 1.8% of of the ETF to do. That's right. And some of the biggest moves of all time either come from something that's very overbought that gets even more overbought or something that you can't think could possibly get worse. And it gets to get worse. But what are we seeing, Bonwin, in the markets? I mean, what, what, what did we learning lessons this week? Do we see anything that indicates how things are going to go? Because everybody is nervous. Uh, I would totally agree. I mean, at the end of the day, as Tony pointed out, we're trading options because we want that convexity. I would say the same holds true in terms of technical analysis and how we're going to trade that market. You want to make sure that you're riding a trend either up or down. Picking bottoms is can be a profitable strategy. You're probably taking advantage of... Uh, uh, amplified vol levels, but you yeah. got to make sure you're riding those trends. You know, Mike, it's funny in the equity markets. I mean, it's not funny. We ended the week effectively where we began. I mean, basically almost exactly flat despite multiple thousand point moves either way. Is there a trend right now? You know, Karen was talking about this, and, and obviously, if you just put a blindfold on, saw where we closed last Friday, saw where we closed this Friday, you might not think a lot's going on. What is going on is an explosion in correlation. 
that's essentially what we've been seeing this week. Stocks are basically all tracking together. So it's completely risk on or risk off. And actually, to illustrate this, I think we actually have a chart of the implied correlation in the S&P right now, which we can see blew out. At one point, it actually reached 75 today. Now, to put those numbers into context, zero would mean that stocks were not at all correlated. 100 would mean they were perfectly correlated. So reaching a number like 75 is essentially like saying that one stock is any stock is the same as all stocks. So essentially, people are either buying or selling futures, they are buying or selling indices, they are buying or selling ETFs, And if they happen to hold individual stocks, they're not discriminating about whether some might be winners or losers. They're either saying, "Okay, I can it's safe to buy them. I will add to my positions or it's unsafe to own them. And I'm going to start selling them all. That's the reason you see this kind of volatility. Normally, I'd say call Carter, Tony. Everyone just jump in because at this point I'm out of questions and I'm tired. So, uh, Uh, I mean, I mean, are are people indiscriminately selling, which means there's going to be opportunities somewhere. Absolutely. So, I mean, just to add to that, I think the risks right now are still skewed to the downside. I I think we're going to revisit that 285 low on S&P. We might, you know, overshoot that. Um, But the one thing about volatility is that we haven't high implied volatility. But the thing is that I don't think we should necessarily fight the Fed here. Uh, Buying puts, I think, is really expensive. I prefer selling call spreads here. Um, I'll I'll show some some trades here later today uh, as far as why I think selling call spreads is the right strategy here if you have a bearish view on the market. I mean, there is that old expression, pushing on a string. I mean, it is pretty bad once you've shown your hand and everyone else at the table says, yeah, that's all you got. So not, not the best action for the Fed after doing what they did to watch the market. All right, well, if these wild market swings continue, the chart master here says defense could be your best offense. All right, Carter, head back over to the plasma to break down exactly what you're talking about because we all need need a little defense right now. Yeah, and specifically not like staples and utilities. That's not the point of this particular segment, literally talking about uh, aerospace and defense stocks. I wanted to look at uh, Lockheed Martin LMT, the ticker, and this is a one-year chart. And, And just to highlight, what we have here is the low. You can see it here of 285. And we made a peak with the market just uh, two weeks plus ago at 439. Now, what we also know is the following, that that advance from low to high is a gain of about $154 a share. And then how much did we give back? Look at this next chart. We gave back 77. 77 times 2 is 154. This is exactly a 50% retracement. And not only that... Watch where Lockheed stops. It stops exactly at its October low. So having retraced 50% of its one-year move and finding support, I think this is one that we would want to play for a bounce. And let me uh, make a case that will support that. Take a look at this. Same one-year chart. And now what we have is relative performance to its own sector, which is to say, yes, this has sold off. But what we know is that it is outperforming the sector. And today, and this at the close, made a new relative high. This is the kind of thing it's defensive in many ways. All right, Carter, why don't you come on back over here. Mike, what's the trade on this? Because if I can think of one sector, it doesn't seem like it should be exposed at all to the virus. It might be defense, but... Yeah, you know, this is really interesting because Carter and I were, were talking around midday today and trying to figure out, you know, what we thought might be a place you could dip your toe in, in the market. We arrived actually at Lockheed Martin independently through our two different techniques. My approach when I was looking at this was uh, exactly what you're 
talking about, which is this is not a discretionary stock. Close to 73% of this company's revenues come from the U.S. government and the U.K. government, and a good portion of the balance of their revenues come from other defense contractors. This is not discretionary spending. They don't have exposure in the same way that many other businesses do. We're not trying to figure out whether demand for the F-35 and the 3,000 planes that they're supposed to be delivering, the only stealth bomber basically that these forces are going to have in the near future, and the replacement for the F-16 is suddenly going to be affected by this over the course of the next five to ten years. This is looking well ahead. Besides which, this is a company that also is trading at a relatively attractive multiple at about 14 and a half times earnings. That's not the cheapest it's been in the last five years, but it's not far off of it. Now, if we also take a look at the price of options, obviously in a market like this, options prices are exploding. I'm going to try to look for a structure that takes advantage of that. The trade that I did was the May 335, 385, 425 call spread risk reversal. Now, I would point out that the stock was actually slightly lower than where it closed today. When I put this trade on, I got it off for about even. So selling that 335 put, buying the 385 call, and then selling the 425 call against it. Now, by the way, that lower strike that I was selling is a level where I am comfortable getting the stock. That's actually below the that level that... Carter was indicating on the chart and probably would meet the next area of resistance and actually would represent essentially the cheapest multiple that this stock has seen in five years. And those wing options, if all should come in for whatever reason, will probably decay more quickly than the call that I'm buying. So, you know, I'm not overly bullish right here, but that doesn't mean that some stocks don't represent better values. They certainly are better value than they were very recently. And this is a situation where if we do have the stock put to us, it's going to be down at 335 that still represents a pretty good discount from about the 385 or so where the stock closed today. So you pointed out two things that I think uh, it's important that our viewers take into consideration. One, it's that that put strike, which you sold, you're comfortable owning the stock at that level. That's a critical distinction that I think that you made. Additionally, I will say is another thing is in this market, we've got to try to hit singles. Your, your strikes, the spreads between your strikes are probably going to be tight because as we've all indicated, Option prices are extremely, extremely high right now. So you're going to have to be willing to kind of grind this thing out and actively trade your positions. So I, I like the stock. If you're trying to you know, pick a stock to buy, I think Lockheed Martin is certainly at the top of my list. You have strong fundamentals. You mentioned that valuations here are relatively uh, inexpensive. You know, The trade that I like that's a little simpler than this is to simply sell a March put. I was looking at the at-the-money 380 puts. So you can collect about 12 bucks on this, which would allow you to effectively own the stock at 368, which is just below that 370 level that Carter pointed out. You know, That's a simple trade that I think you could use to, to own the stock. Okay, good stuff, guys. Well, from defense to a group like many finding itself playing defense this year, which is technology stocks, the S&P 500 technology sector slammed. And if you think there's more pain ahead, Tony has a way to triage some technology. So I want to take a look at technology, which was one of the weaker sectors trading today. Now, if we look at a one-year chart, the stock pulled back about 18% from its Uh, all-time high, down to about the 200-day moving average, retraced about 50% back and is now trading lower. And I think this stock could probably get back down to that $84 support level, which is right around the 200-day moving average. Now, if we look at the holdings of XLK, the lion's share here is Microsoft and Apple, of which both of them are actually substantially higher than the 200-day moving average. So I think that there's quite a bit of room for both of these names to pull back. If we look at Visa and MasterCard, I think these names are going to continue to slow down as consumer and corporate travel slows down. 
and Intel, I don't really see a strong case for a bounce here on semiconductors. So I think there's a bit of technical downside for XLK. But what I liked about this trade even more is actually the options. There's a rare opportunity for us to take advantage of the current skew. Looking at the skew of the April call options, as you can see, the at the money call options are trading at a substantially higher elevated implied volatility versus the out of the money call options, which is a great opportunity to sell call credit spreads. So the trade structure that I'm looking here is to go out to April and sell the 88.95 call spread, collecting about $5.20 on that April 88 call and paying about $1.79 for that $95 call. Net net collecting $3.41, which is almost half the width of a $7 wide credit spread. This has a break-even price in this particular case of $91.41, which gives me about a 60% probability of profit on this particular trade with a one-to-one payout. Those are the types of odds that I like to take on a, on a trade like this. All right. Uh, hold, hold on, guys. Sorry to interrupt, but we do have uh, some breaking news right now. Let's get a live look here at the White House, where Vice President Mike Pence, who is also the head of the Coronavirus Task Force, is holding a briefing on the outbreak. We're monitoring it. And, of course, as always, we'll bring you any headlines as they develop, whether it pertains to the economy, uh, companies, or, or what they're doing, or what they think is going to happen, certainly. So Vice President Mike Pence is talking right now at the White House. Let's quickly just uh, get back to the, to the trade on technology, Tony, because it's, and I'm sorry, I was focused a little bit on some of the headlines that were crossing on this as, as you were talking. You think it looks like Apple and Microsoft are going to drop more? A little bit. Not, not substantially, but I think there's a room for a pullback, and I'm not looking for a big move to the downside. That's why I'm selling a credit spread. And one thing is what helps you on the way up can often hurt you on the way down. We know that this is so dominated by Apple, Microsoft, Visa, MasterCard, Intel, and you saw the weightings there. If you look at actually the sector equal weight, and they have indices that do that, the peak to trough drawdown is less than the actual sector, which is say the thing that drove it so much more than the market, Apple and Microsoft, is what's caused it to come So up. we've talked about it for, at least I have for months and long time. So do you believe that, that the, and we're not picking on ETFs, but like, do you believe that the market structure with ETFs and everything has contributed to the, to the size of the moves? Well, sure, you can sell right on your phone, right? You can hit the button and say, I want to come out. And sell everything. Correlation but, as well. But I mean. it helps on the way up, though. <laughs> you like it on the way up, <laughs> don't we, bro? Speaking of the way up, I'm... No, go ahead. Well, you know, I have, to, I have to jump in here. I have to go jump ahead, in here on Apple because, you know, yeah, as Tony was pointing out, Apple's one of the largest constituents of XLK. I'd like just to point out to folks, if you look at December 31st, that was the day that the coronavirus was first announced. Apple is essentially trading unchanged from that level. All right. It was, I think it closed that day around 293. We closed today at 289. I mean, if you had an opportunity to sell it at that, you know, basically before all of this blew up, you would take that opportunity. It's trading 23 times earnings. You have that opportunity. That's where we are right now. It has opportunity, I think, to go a lot lower. A lot lower. Wow. All right. Mike Co in San Francisco. Mike, thank you very much. All right. We still have a little bit more to do here on Options Action. Here's what's coming up next. Gold shining amid the market madness this week. But if you missed out on the rally, fear not. We're laying out a golden way to play catch-up using options. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back, everybody. Certainly was a wild week for the markets. Escalating economic fears sparked by the coronavirus pointing to 1,000-point swings in the Dow pretty much nearly every day. But amid all the volatility, there was one bright spot. Take a look at gold. Gold posting its best week since 2016. Investors turned to the bullion for safety. But if you missed out of the move, Carter Worth is laying out maybe, maybe another opportunity for you over at the plasma. Carter, take it away. All right, so gold is great, and, and by all indications, plenty higher. Uh, but I wanted to look at the ratio between gold and silver. And this chart is just that. It's gold over silver, and it's going to try to zero in on when that spikes and what happens to silver thereafter. So this goes back to 1970. That's a long chart. Take a look at these circles that I have on here. And what we've got is those are all spikes uh, in the gold-silver ratio. And guess what has happened each single time that the ratio is spiked as it's spiking now? What's happened going forward, and you'll see this in the table, is that silver's absolute performance, this is independent of gold, one week later, one month later, three, six, one, is very robust. Uh, there's almost no exceptions in any of those instances. And so it's a simple catch-up trade. Gold, we love gold. But silver has the potential as a catch-up trade on its own. Now zero in on the near-term chart. Here, again, and what the gold-silver ratio would typically do is go down, go down. That doesn't mean that gold goes down. It means that silver goes up more than gold. And we're thinking we're at that kind of juncture right now. So very interesting moment. In terms of the SLV, we know it spiked and peaked in 2011. We know you can draw the lines many ways, but I think you can draw it like this. We have come out of this important formation and think how much room it could run. So long SLV, long silver, long gold. Watch the gold-silver ratio. The Burl Ives trade. Carter, come on back to the desk. All right, Bonwin, you're not anti that, but you have a different way to play it involving lengths of the contract. Correct, correct. Um, so pretty much if you take a look at the, uh, the stock chart of GLD, you can see that the, it's been quite volatile, particularly the last two weeks, two or three weeks. If you take it a step further and you look at the, um, the term structure of implied volatility, what we're seeing is in this panic, and keep in mind that gold is thought of as a store of wealth. In this panic, what we're seeing is short-term options trading at a massive premium from an implied volatility standpoint to longer-dated options. And the last thing I'd like to point out is if you take a look at uh, the, the smile surface or vol surface, most stocks trade with a skew, meaning that things fall faster than they rally, unless, of course, it's gold. So you have a skew to the downside. It's the exact opposite with gold to the upside. And the last thing I want to point out on this chart is that you can see that the March smile is much steeper, much steeper than the June smile. So the trade that I'm going to lay out to take advantage of that is selling the GLD March straddle to buy the June GLD 157 straddle. So you're going to be selling the same strike in March. You're going to sell that at $6. You're then going to get optionality all the way out till June for $12. So two weeks of optionality that you're selling at half the cost of what you're buying for a three-and-a-half-month option. We mentioned earlier about continuing to make sure that you have holding positions and you have trading positions. This definitely qualifies as the latter. Once this march rolls off, you can see here from the PL standpoint that above your break-evens, uh, 151 and 163, 
you start to make money. But this situation gives you an opportunity to continue to trade it. So after March expiry, you're left with the long straddle. If this inverted term structure continues, you're able to roll that March into the next weekly or monthly option and continue to pick up premium on the way out. Tony, you got a comment on that? So I think you like the strategy. I, I'm I'm actually surprised at how much premium you can pick up in two weeks in March. So that makes a lot of sense of buying that optionality by by you're picking up almost half the premium of yeah. that June option, which exactly. is 114 days out, and you're able to do that in 14 days. I think this makes a lot of sense. I would certainly try to sell another call or a straddle, possibly uh, once the March ones mm-hmm. expire, and then you know hold on to either the call or put depending on what direction you think GLD will head. You know. Totally agree. Well, and then it is this. I mean, one could say, well, why bother to, like in the ratio instance, why bother to say, be so cute? Are you saying be short gold, long silver? I mean, in a pure world, that's what the gold-silver ratio is. But what we know is that in a world where it is very possible, rates to zero, gold to infinity, if and as that continues to happen, you want to make sure you've got some silver, too. Okay, gold and silver, guys. We've got a little bit of breaking news right now, by the way, coming out of that coronavirus briefing from Vice President Pence. They're reporting that 21 people have tested positive for the coronavirus on the Grand Princess cruise ship. That is the one that is effectively stranded off the coast of California. Now, of those 21 who have tested positive, 19 of them are crew members. So, again, that cruise ship, which is off the coast of California, 21 positive tests of those 19 are crew members. That coming out of the press conference with Vice President Pence moments ago. We'll get you more as we have it. We'll be right back after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. All right, time now for the final call. Mike Coe, out west. You know, as a defensive play, I like defense, specifically Lockheed Martin. You can use call spread risk reversals. And looking at Carter's SLV trade, I would just buy longer dated calls. The backwardation will work for you. Carter? Speak for me. (laughs) That's exactly it. LNT and SLV. Bottom one. I'm taking advantage of the inverted term structure, and I am buying GLD March, June 157 straddles. All right, and Tony? Technology continues to grind lower, selling call credit spreads. Selling call credit spreads. All right, guys, I really appreciate this. So we did a little different tonight, but it was a big week. Pretty incredible week here. That's it for us. We'll see you next week. A very important Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.